Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Court with UC Elite. I'm Coach Stacy, and I'm here with Coach Matt and Coach Joe. Welcome, guys. How's it going? We're back. Thanks for having me back. Guzman Brothers. Yes, sir. Ooh, first episode together, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. shit. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something that's probably on a lot of people's mind, like what makes a good coach good. Yeah, um, some of our favorite coaches that we've seen or admire and yeah just a lot about coaching yeah maybe the characteristics of these coaches um why we look up to them and i think coaches today should have like mentors or inspiration that they look up to or coaches they look up to you know um Mm -hmm. in any sport because i think like coaching itself is like a thing a skill a craft and then coaching your actual sports also like another thing you know yeah, and I think the other part to that, like, I have to look back even with the coaches I've had and what made me like them so much and all, too, and, like, what characteristics did they have. And it's funny because I never thought that I would have been coaching, like, the way I am. And then I see myself, like, wow, like, this is what my coach used to do. And mm. seeing it in my coaching style kind of was like, wow, I didn't know I yeah. would be like that, you know? Yeah, I think what we could start off with is like maybe we'll just say some like historically great coaches and then just talk about like, you know, what we know about them or what we've read about them or, you know, observed about them. Um, but we could start like, I guess we could start like college and pros first, you know? Yeah. I mean, first one that, that pops to mind is Coach uh, Coach K at, uh, at Duke. Well, he's not at Duke anymore. He just recently retired, but... Um, if you guys don't follow basketball, he's like one of the most successful co- college basketball, like men's coaches in history. Used to coach the Olympic team also. Um, he recently retired last year, after I before think last year. So yeah, like this at the end of last year. This past year was his mm-hmm. first year not coaching at Duke. Yeah, and he passed a thousand wins. Is that the high- most in college? He has some record. Probably. It might be the most in college basketball, huh? A thousand plus. Maybe, wins. yeah. But there's but, a lot uh, of coaches that are like kind of like at that level, yeah, you yeah. know. But I mean, I, I I think I've watched a couple like documentaries on Duke and or other documentaries that included Coach K, and I know um, he started out like when they first hired him at Duke in the '80s or something like that. They they didn't win. Like Duke wasn't good, you know, and then. I think everybody was like skeptical about him and like didn't like him. I want to say I'm 100% accurate, but I want to say they didn't do too well maybe the first year or something like that. But, you know, what how many seasons later? It's like 30 years later or something. And Duke has I don't know how many championships they won with him, at least 5, but 5 or more. But um now he's like, you know, one of the greatest basketball coaches like in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and he coached how many like crazy players that ended up being like big time Hall of Famers. Yeah, Hall of Famers. So yeah. I guess that's I feel like that's a common um, factor um, when you start off coaching, maybe not being super successful in the beginning, especially if you take over a program. But what was his? Do you know his experience before he went to Duke? Uh, he's in the. He was in the went to like a military school. Oh yeah, uh, I, I think he played 
played in college, but was like on a yeah. pocket average player. Like in the army or something. Yeah, he was like in the army, one of the army colleges. Um, Did he, he coach? Probably coached. Yeah. With someone, was he might like have assistant coach somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why do mm-hmm. I think it's like Bob Knight, or? Oh, I don't. I, I, don't I think remember. in the documentary it touched on that, but I forgot. But I do know like he wasn't a big name, and. Um, People were like, who is this? How do you pronounce his name? You know, no one even knew who he was. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, like what Joe's saying, it, it's a lot of these coaches and the ones that come to mind, they also were there for a long time. Like, they coached for a long time. And and then when they were done, they were like one of the best and, and stuff like that. Like, because Coach Hay, 30 years later, I mean, like he didn't win a championship every year, you know? So... I guess that's some important to um, their experience, right? I think that's anything, actually, like any job, any yeah, skill. They develop their if experience. You, if you have a lot of experience, you know, like like what Matt said, he um, coached a lot of, you know, Hall of Famers, you know, like yeah. Grant, Grant Hill. Um, who else? Like Christian Leitner. Like, uh, um, yeah, you know, and then obviously grades. recently Kyrie, whatever. JJ um, Redick, Jason Tatum. But I think mm-hmm. even just like, um, I think even though they've only maybe like they've went through this program for one year, you always see them come back to Duke and like pay their respects. Well, they're proud to be. Yeah. Like everyone knows the whole Duke Brotherhood thing. Like yeah. That, it's big and it's true. And I think that all started with him and the culture he. His retirement, all the NBA guys, if they could make it, they showed up. You know, his former players. Um, so I think, yeah, a big characteristic of a of a good coach or a great coach like Coach K is uh, he developed a culture, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and whether you're there for one year or four years, like they're all treated the same, you know. They all have the same mindset and values. And he obviously recruits, like, people that will fit his program, you know. Um, but I, I've seen interviews and, like, the players um, – yeah, they say like when they go to Duke, like it's it's also about like who they are as as a, as a person, and Coach K like cares about like who you are off the court type of stuff. Because he's know? a he's a mil- he's a military. Yeah. yeah, and but he he like really cares about his players, but he pushes them like beyond yeah. you know like. You know, I think I remember seeing uh, a Jason Tatum interview. I was about to say that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he, like, and I was just like, what? Like, I didn't know, like, that Coach K had that side where he's going to, like, rip into you and this Mm -hmm. and that. But then that was all that uh, he needed to wake up and, like, perform in the second half. I remember the video. Basically what happened was I think Jason Tatum, he only played there for one year, but, like, I think – like he's their star player, you know, projected top three pick, and I think, um, I think it was like the first half versus I don't know some game, and I think he was being very um, passive. Like Tatum was being very passive; he wasn't being aggressive, but he was like sharing the ball, like he was passing the ball around and stuff like that. But he wasn't like scoring, which is like pretty sure his role was to be a scorer on the team. And I think at half, t- the story goes like at halftime. I think um, Coach K, like. He just straight up went to Jason Tatum. Like threw his jacket at his feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like he just went off. And he was yeah. he went off on Tatum. And was like, oh, like I sh- he said, oh, I should have left you in um in St. Louis. In St. Louis. Oh my gosh. Should have left yeah. you in St. Louis. Like I should have never taken a chance to you. Like he just went off on Tatum, 
without saying anything else and to then anyone. Walked out. And, and then he walked, walked out. out and then uh, I'm pretty sure Tatum had like a crazy game at the second half. Yeah, I think Tatum said the second half he dropped 22 points. Yeah. Dang. So it's really like also as a player, Tatum could have taken that the wrong way. Could have just like shut down and like, you know, quit. But that shows, you know, obviously Tatum's a pro now. I think that shows um, Tatum's mindset. He was in the right place and he his took respect, the message his yeah, respect for coach k. what coach k said i think being a, a great coach like coach k another characteristic is they know what but what buttons to push for yeah. certain players to get them going mm-hmm. like coach k knew what he was doing he was playing mind games he was he knew like he needed to i guess be be you know like tough on tatum to push him you know and it worked look at it and you know and then tatum you know what is he he's like what a top Top 10, 10 player in the NBA right now. I mean, he's only 25. That's completely true because I think everyone knew at the time, you know, Tatum was one and done, top lottery pick. And so um, Coach K knew he could press that button, you know, to like say, hey, like I should have never taken you, stuff like that, to sort of put Tatum like, like you know, like remind Tatum why he's here. Like so who he is, like you know, don't like be passive, yeah, don't be. Like be, be the be who you are yeah be who you're supposed to be you know what i mean and push them and yeah that story went viral because it's on tiktok and yeah instagram and everything and look tatum remembers it i mean why would he be telling you telling saying it if he didn't if it didn't make an impact on him you know and yeah i mean i'm sure there's a bunch more stories like that with uh with coach k but i think another characteristic of coach k for being a great coach is when he coached team usa he was able to coach all those egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Imagine LeBron, Kobe, all that. He knew how to manage all those egos and coach people the way was that they need to be coached. MJ? Did he? Was, MJ? was that Dream Team? No. Was he already there? I feel like he was. That's like in the 90s, right? Oh, was Dream he? Team? Oh, yeah, I think. Was he? No, uh, I don't think. No? I don't who's think so. Okay, but. Who's the coach for the Dream Team? God, I got to watch that documentary again. I don't I know. know. I forgot. Was it? Probably not. He might have been on staff. He might have been the assistant, no? But not the head coach. Maybe I not. I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, for sure, obviously, like in 08, you know, LeBron and Kobe the and Redeem D-Wade, team. all them, like he was able to, you know. So I think, yeah, it's another characteristic, knowing how to manage your athletes and their egos and how to how to make a team come together to work together, you know. I mean, Yeah, I watched some of that stuff because, yeah, when in 2008, that Redeem team, they're like all superstars for their own franchise. And then when they play USA basketball, it's different. You all have like a role now. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be that guy every game. Mm-hmm. And I think in the if you watch some of those documentaries, like Coach K, I think in the first meeting he like set it straight, you know, how it was going to work and stuff. And so that's pretty cool because when he retired, all those like superstars, they sent like the, the video and stuff, the – farewell video they had at Duke like you, you saw like LeBron and stuff they, yeah, all, they all still respect mm-hmm. they all still respect um, Coach K yeah so I think uh, you can see a lot about a coach based on who they coached before and how those players feel about them yeah you know I mean? yeah dang I mean do you have another you have a co- another coach uh, say it's on your mind um, the other one I think about is uh, Coach Gino Oriema yeah UConn women's basketball coach mm-hmm. and I think just seeing what he's done at UConn uh, on the women's basketball side, it, it was like, wow, like, I forgot what year, what years they were, but 
back to back like national championships. Like a record for like consecutive wins. Yeah, and um, but what I like about him is like some of the videos that he has out there about interviews on like recruiting. Mm -hmm. Like, I think one of the biggest one that I think we've talked about this before was was that the body language. Yeah, it's my favorite one. You know, like um, especially on the bench, like how are you reacting? on the bench, you know, are you supporting your teammates or, or are you having like a, a bad attitude? And I think even when he goes out and recruits, like he's paying attention to, to that stuff. Those he doesn't care about like, Oh, how many yeah. points you're scoring in a game or this and that, but it's more like your character, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the other interviews and I think another thing also, you guys see that there's another video with, you guys know Brianna Stewart, mm-hmm. who's like the main player on the Seattle. Oh, she's, she's at, at Chicago. Sh- no. Oh, Chicago. New York. No? New York. She's uh, with uh, Sabrina. Oh, Inunescu. Liberty. Okay, yeah, New yeah. York Liberty. But when she was at UConn, she mm-hmm. was also the number one player. And then she went number one in the draft too, in the WNBA draft. But I think Gino had a, he had a, a story like, she was having like a bad attitude at practice and then he just like like he, he doesn't treat the players different just because you're like the number one player in the country or you're like the bench player like he he like benched her i think the next game against a, a big t- a huge team because she was acting like immature mm-hmm. so he benched her the next game and people were like oh why did you bench her like it was a huge game or like you know and i think reporters were like oh he was just benching her because he wanted to rest her for like the next game and he straight up was like, no, like <laughs> she was being like, like a punk, you know, like a punk. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. In, in practice. So I benched her, you know, and that shows a lot. I think like a great coach, like that characteristic I could see right there is like holding your players accountable and treating all your players to the same standard. So, you know, there are some coaches that unfortunately they like have a, you know, a standard for like the starters and then a standard for like the bench and like they, they treat them differently. And yeah, look, coach Gino, it doesn't matter if you're the number one player in the country or, or not. And like you're held to the same standard that UConn has. And, you know, there's a reason why they continuously win. And coach Gino's another coach who's been there for how many years now? Right. Shoot. And how many championships? Look look that up. I know. I think he's had over a thousand wins too. Like coach K. Cause I think there was that like, it was like Coach K, uh, Gino. He might be the most winningest women's basketball. I think no? Pat, Sum- oh, Pat well, Summit. Pat Summit. Like yeah. there's like, yeah. yeah. I know earlier I said that there's a lot of them, but it, it's more like there's not a lot of them. But then it's like, like they few. all started like coaching around the same time, but then they were always winning. You know, they were building these programs yeah. that became powerhouses. And yeah, that's just crazy to think how many wins yeah i mean they don't win every he doesn't win a championship every year either but it's like the standard you know like yeah he's a good one i like how he's honest in his interviews Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's just funny to me because sometimes coaches don't want to like air out the dirty laundry yeah but then he does it in a way where it's like you know if you want to come and play for me like this is how i expect you to be and if you if you're like this or that like you have to pay the consequences and and all that so i thought that was really cool you brought up about um brianna stewart you know also uh coach gino he's another coach who multiple wnba hall of famers 
mm-hmm. played for like didn't diana tarasi yeah play there? sue bird mm-hmm. yeah like they all went through his program and they all ended up having historical professional careers and i think um i'm pretty sure i'm not 100 percent sure but in w like the for women's do they play in college longer like less than one and done yeah because play long like i think the wnba actually has like a, a rule? like a rule about uh declaring for the draft oh really yeah, yeah cuz i know uh, like paige beckers when um she's still currently there but i know she got hurt this last season and um they were saying that oh they should change the rules so that she could enter the draft like uh, after yeah. her like do a one one, one and, and done, done. Yeah. yeah but i think the benefit though is like if you're with a good coach for multiple years it's not a coincidence that you're successful later on in life because you probably learn great habits and great, you know, ethics and other things from that coach, you know, and then it set them up for success like, mm-hmm. later, you know. Yeah. A Who's lot of one and dones don't do well. Yeah. You know? Or it takes them longer to get like. James Wiseman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he barely played. Um, Who's another coach you guys can think of that's like. How about like other sports? What would you say? Hmm. Um, other sports, like, that's tough. Other sports? Well, football, I feel like people always talk about Bill Belichick. Well, oh, yeah, when yeah, Brady yeah. was there, too, no, right? That's, that's like, I feel like that's kind of like, um, like, like if, if I think of Bill Belichick, I think of Popovich, too, because I feel like their culture is their culture. You know what I mean? They're also misunderstood, too. They could be yeah, misunderstood hella misunderstood. Sometimes. I mean, Belichick, isn't he super, like, hard? ass i guess to like people and stuff and he's hu- he's really um like demanding no well, if like you watch his interviews he's very like um straightforward yeah people are scared of him <laughs> yeah same with coach coach uh, popovich when they interview no, but i think i mean i don't watch a lot of football but like i feel like they had a culture they had a culture and obviously they had a it helped to have a hall of fame quarterback but yeah uh, for sure, there's like talented players that go there, and like they know that like they have to be a role. They have to do their role like um, on that team. Like you can't just you know do whatever you want. Because then like Randy Moss stuff like that. Like I mean, it's like towards the end of his career, but um, like Randy Moss was like a superstar, and then played for the Patriots. And I feel like watching Patriots. I mean, it may not be that good now, but. Back then, I feel like um, you knew you knew what to expect from them, and I think what was cool is like when they were successful, they had what high draft pick players like Edelman, stuff like that, Brady himself, and so. But I'm Brady sure was they a low was a low pick. Yeah, no, I said. Oh, I meant that's what I meant. Like they no, were picked. Yeah, he he. Well, late. who knows if Tom Brady would have been Tom Brady if he didn't play for Belichick? Because, I mean, not all quarterbacks drafted that low as Brady is able to get a starting position and you know i mean obviously maybe he saw something in him and then developed him and played him and, and he became tom brady you know but yeah that's another good one in football um i don't, I don't think watch I, Reed, Reed, yeah, I don't Andy think Reed. yeah i don't watch football <laughs> as I much i don't, really really I don't follow the coaches you know like or i feel like the coaching staff always changes too sometimes yeah that's why i think the ones that stay a while they're the ones that get There's on. that one football coach in college. Jim, John Harbaugh. And the other Jim? one, is it Sabi- Saban? Oh, Nick Saban. 
Oh, he's Alabama. The one, he's yeah. the one that gets interviewed a lot, and mm-hmm. he he's also like very like about character and yeah. like you know discipline. And you know, I've seen some of those videos about those guys. Yeah, I think those. I mean, those top programs for sure. They have the same coach. Yeah, those top programs. Years. They for sure have the same coach for a while, but also yeah, like their program is, is like led by that head coach. Like the if culture. You think, if you think of Clemson, if you think of Alabama, think of Ohio State, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's the culture, but that the head coach like instills, and like it's funny because all those players are like five star, and there's no way they're all like perfect, you know, human beings. But when they get to their program, they learn how to be a grown up. You yeah. know what I mean? You know another. I mean, uh, obviously we have to talk about like Coach Pop. You know, Coach Popovich at the San Antonio Spurs. He's probably like, one of my favorite coaches, um, and obviously he's hella old now, but. So he, what 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 do you like about him? Like, I mean, for like what I read up on him and watched his documentary or things about him, like same thing. He's from a military background, and he played also, but wasn't like an amazing player. And then um, he started coaching the Spurs in what the early nineties or huh? when David Robinson got drafted around there or something mm-hmm. like the nineties or whatever. But same thing, like. Um, you know, was they weren't uh, good. I think he was yeah. an assistant also first, and then took over the Spurs, and they they weren't good because they obviously had the first pick in the draft, and then they got um, David Robinson, then then Duncan, then then Parker. Yeah, and like uh, with with Coach Pop, like what I've heard from interviews from other play- NBA players about him is that when you c- when you go to the Spurs organization, because I think he's the president and the head coach and the head coach or, or GM and head coach one of those mm-hmm. so he has like a lot of power right over there and I think he's one of the highest paid NBA coaches right and um, I think what what all the players say if you go to the Spurs like you have to play the Spurs way mm-hmm. which I mean if you're a basketball fan it's obviously ball movement you know and and they're very disciplined um, they have a culture. Same thing, like we've been talking about. I think a big characteristic characteristic with all these great coaches, or what makes it, if you want to be a good coach or a great coach, is you need to establish a culture, you know, and stick with it. Like, imagine all the people that have gone through the Spurs, but it's the same, you know. Like, the way they win is the same, and they do it the hard way. They don't like cheat or like try to take the easy way out. Um, well, also their success is through their program. They yeah, develop. development program. Yeah, yeah. That's another like thing. Ginobili, he develops. Parker, yeah, Kawhi. Yeah, like coach. They don't really like take big signings and then win. They they literally yeah. build from within, and they got lucky with the drafts. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they got the number one pick this like what, last week, but oh, yeah, yeah, I think Coach Pop he he um the what they won five they won five yeah. championships right with him. And they won a championship in every decade, I think. Well, not now yet, but like they won one yeah. in the nineties, this coming year, two thousand, the we second, the two thousand tens, and then you know. Yeah. But um, and like his team also, you know, changes, but they keep winning, find ways to win, and like what Joe was saying, I think another great characteristic of a of a good coach is their ability to develop players. So, Tony Parker, not a high draft pick. Manu Ginobili, not a high draft pick. You know, literally it was just Tim Duncan and Robinson that were high picks. The rest of them, 
were all drafted low and they developed in-house, you know. And uh, the Spurs, like if you watch them historically, they, well, like at least up until now. But and, and I think they're trying to do it now too. But if you look at it, they draft someone young, right? And they, they develop them and then they it's like next one up, you know. Like I think Tony Parker. DeJounte. Yeah, yeah. Well, even before Tony Parker, he there was another point guard. I forgot who it was. Avery Johnson or Avery something, or someone was a point guard before him, and then Parker was just a backup, mm-hmm. and then they developed him, t- and, and like he saw something in him, and then gave him the keys, and then he became Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. You know, and then same thing with Manu Ginobili. No one even knew who Manu Ginobili was. Tim Duncan didn't know who the heck he was, but they scouted him. They saw you know, and he fit the culture develop him and then look how many he played there for what like 19 18 years and six man you know mm-hmm. um, after tony parker it was Dejounte was on the bench and then yeah and then they made all star i mean he they let him walk but yeah but they they, they stick yeah they like they stick to what they do like the spurs they, they they eventually you will have to give up your spot to someone but then the person they usually give it to is someone who was already developing you know and then they passed it on like yeah like Dejounte, and then Lucky became an All Star. I mean, I mean he's now he's with the Hawks, but yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. I think what I like about Coach Pop was, um, I think I saw this video that Tim Duncan was talking about him and yeah, said yeah. that I think when he was getting recruited oh, or yeah, not recruited yeah, um, when he got signed um, to play for the Spurs, uh, I forgot where Tim Duncan's from, but Bahamas it's like a yeah. He's yeah. so he was like. You know, once I got drafted and signed, he came out and um, kind of got to know me in my own like element and see where I come from. And mm-hmm. uh, like that meant a lot to Tim Duncan. And I was like, wow, like you think about coaches and that relational ship, r- the relationship aspect of player coach. But it's more than just the sport. Yeah. And you could see that it's made a huge impact because I remember in this interview, like Tim Duncan was getting emotional talking about him. And it's like, wow, like his retirement speech. It was like, yeah, cry too, talking yeah. About and I was just like, wow, like that's crazy to think because he spent his whole career in San Antonio. Right. right. And then mm-hmm. um, I think I, he even mentioned that uh, Tim Duncan's dad, like had a conversation with Coach Pop and was like, you know, I'm. I'm turning him over to you now, like to take care of him and, mm-hmm. and all that. And yeah, like it was just kind of cool to see that other aspect of coaching. Yeah. I think uh, I saw that, yeah, that video. And um, I think with, with coach pop also, like he's not lovey dovey. You know what I mean? But then like even the speech at the hall of fame, like coach pop is barely like smiling or like, you know what I mean? Kind of just thumbs upping or something. And so he's not very emotional, but then he cares. So, you know, he's not always, like, hugging everybody. But, you know, but I've also seen videos of Coach Pop, like, messing around a little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, like, if you watch him, also, if you watch him in the he NBA games. He all his interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he got known for being, like, hella hard to interview. For, yeah. for, but I think he does it to mess with the media. But I know also if you watch, like, one thing I got from him, like, observing him or, like, having him as, like, a, a role model coach is, like, if you watch the Spurs – like, any, you know, over the years, like, he's super composed. 
Like they can be down down yep. with like one second left, and then when they're drawing up the play, he looks super composed, you know. And if they lose, dude, he's a great loser too. Like have you seen Coach Pop? Like his team could have just choked or whatever, but like That's he's fine. So true. He's smiling. He's like handshaking, saying great job to whoever. And then you know, but I'm not saying he's trying to lose, but like you you can tell like he knows what he's doing. Like I think with the Spurs, one a team that I'll always remember when I was watching was. That 2014 Spurs that beat the Heat, because uh, like the year before they were like six seconds away or something from winning the championship, and then Ray Allen hit that shot. Remember? Yep. And then the next year they ran it back, and then they beat, they played the Sp- the Heat again, LeBron, and then they beat them, right? But they destroyed the Heat that year, like 2014. I remember because me and Joe we were like I think we were watching the finals, but we were like in LA somewhere on a family vacation, but we were watching the finals. Dude, the Spurs like the way they played was like. We should look it up because it's like amazing ball movement. Like the, the LeBron and them didn't even know what to freaking do. I think they beat them <laughs> in like five maybe or four. They might have swept. And like, yeah, like like I said, Coach K, I think, I don't know, Coach K, Coach Pop, like at the highest and the lowest, he's like composed, Level. leveled. And I always like that. And um, I mean, I tell people now, like I, I believe that if the coach is composed, the team is composed. You know, like they reflect the coach. If the team is is stressing, the coach is stressing. You know, if if the team is, you know, the coach is going crazy, hella mad. Like the players are, are probably like that. You know, maybe in basketball getting teas, mm-hmm. getting texts, and like whatever. You know, it's a reflection. I think your reflection of your your team for the most part. Um, you know, but yeah. What else, Coach? But there's so many good stuff with Coach Pop. I mean, literally, because Parker Ginobili, they all got. They all retired near the same time. They all got their their jerseys, you know, in the rafters. Mm-hmm. So, so they all talked about Coach uh, Coach Pop. Do you think uh, what makes a good coach is also maybe how they develop other coaches? Yeah, you know, a, like oh, that's a good point. You know, Coach Pop. like yeah, I I feel like Coach Pop's one of them because quarter of the NBA coaches are yeah. under me. You know, I mean, or Steve Kerr and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of see it at the college level too. I mean, like Coach K, right? The one that took over for Duke, uh, Coach for John Shire. Shire. Yeah, he played for Coach K mm-hmm. too, yeah. and then was a part of his coaching staff. And it was it was just kind of cool to see that Bob Hurley coaches know, yeah. uh, what college, but he played for Duke. Remember when they won? Um, I think his brother also coaches. His brother also coaches. Like his team went like Final Four last year. Oh, uh, the Hurleys. Because was it? Um, is he the UConn men's coach? Maybe. Yeah, maybe one of those. I, don't I know. can't remember. I remember that I was on TV and like the Hurley family was on there. I was like, oh shoot, I didn't know he had a brother. But no, yeah, I think you look at Coach Pop. I think like a quarter of the NBA coaches today are from him. Mm-hmm. Like were trained from him, were mentored by Coach Pop, and now they're all running their own programs. You know, that's true. Or like how you know Becky Hammond left yeah, to yeah. go uh, be mm-hmm. the Las Vegas Aces coaches. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy to think. I think he also another good thing with Coach Pop is he he opens opportunities and doors for others. You know, even though he'd love to keep him on staff, he opens a door for you, another opportunity to go do your own thing and stuff. And yeah, it's crazy because uh, damn, he's like old now too. How about uh? 
I know we didn't talk about him yet, but Phil Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Phil Jackson. I think he's another another one. I remember like being a kid and watching the Bulls play like um, MJ, Michael Jordan. And I was still like maybe in elementary school. And uh, I just remember seeing all my uncles like get all like hyped up of like watching playoffs and stuff like that. And I didn't really know what was going on at the time. But then um, it wasn't until like maybe when I was older that I fully understood like what he was doing, you know, as a coach and all the things that he's accomplished with the Bulls and then later on with like the Lakers. Yeah. That's legendary. Yeah. Doesn't he have like the most championships or something like that? coach or like 12 or something because he won like now. six with the six with the bulls bulls five with the lakers and one when he was playing oh yeah i think on the knicks or something which is steve kerr have nine steve kerr has three plus like seven how many know. did he have as a like player nine i don't remember he got one with the spurs oh wait he, he does have nine or something like three that. with the bulls mm-hmm. he has nine yeah oh yeah i mean i mean steve kerr he obviously he's our coach. I think he's a good coach, but like I uh, wanted to ask about him because there's sometimes I don't know. Yeah. So is he? Would you think he? There's a lot of coach? debate on on like how good of a coach he really is, just because like he got the, Curry and the stack teams he's had. I mean, uh, uh, well, one thing we we, we got to disclose here on this episode is that there is no perfect coach, you know, and I think there could be coaches that have like like uh, great characteristics, but not the whole package. They're not perfect no one is you know mm-hmm. i think with with kerr well i think well he, people say he's the players coach you know I like he relates the culture though that, yeah they had that team the year before the the yeah. first championship with uh mark jackson yeah he definitely has see i think because he, he he played for jackson and uh popovich and they both are coaches that establish a culture and then the Warriors have a co- a culture mm-hmm. and a style of play, and no matter what, I mean, at least so far, we'll see after this season. But they they stick to it, you know. Like I think Kerr, if you don't play their way, he's not gonna play you. They're gonna trade you eventually. Like if you don't pass the ball, you know. Like Warriors are obviously ball movement, you know. And I have a relatable question. So if uh, if you form a super team, or I guess a, a different way to say like. If your if your team was built to win, like you mm-hmm. should win, like maybe not even basketball. I'm talking about maybe volleyball. Like you, your team, um, all six foot. Like talking about like um, mm-hmm. they're like six foot, all the whole team six foot, and then you don't win. Isn't that kind of like I don't know? Isn't that? What? I feel like I feel what like I'm more. Fall? I feel like I'm more impressed. Like if you have a team where like maybe your projection is not like you they're not supposed to be being on these teams well i guess that's kind of like related to what you did in logan but like because i'm pretty sure what i would watch back then like there was like teams are like future d1s and then we're out here with like five five nine mafa and stuff um, beating everyone (laughs) and and alex and them and I guess, yeah, just like a general question, like, is it, or like, I guess not even a question, like, what are your thoughts? Because, like, don't you think, like, you, you display more of a better coaching mm-hmm. um, when you have, like, a team 
you're not supposed to win. And then, you know, compared to a team that is stacked, you're supposed to win. You know, and obviously if you don't, it's probably. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have a stacked team, let's say, like, say the Warriors, you know, 2017, 2018 with KD, I think, I think less. Y- you have to coach less, actually. Coach and it's all managing. It's all player management, ego management, that type of stuff. And that's where I think you're solely relying on your culture, you know, versus, like, if you're coaching a team that doesn't have as much talent, like this year's Miami Heat that went to the finals, the eighth seed, you know, with basically majority undrafted players mm-hmm. and they went all the way to the finals. I think that's more coaching. Like, cause I think if you don't have like as much talent, then your strategy is more important. Your development is more important. The being more precise, right? Um, you, you basically can't like cut any corners because you, you're not as talented. The Warriors before, like with KD, I mean, you don't even need to play, you know, just give the ball to one of the players and the pocket, put the ball in the hoop, you know, but the spur, like the Spurs and like the heat, they're known for developing players. Like I said, uh, Eric Spolshaw on the Spurs, he's another good coach that we didn't talk about yet, but you know, same thing with the Spurs, you know, if they're winning by, with players, they develop themselves. It's like, I think that's way hard. Yeah, that is harder. It's more coaching. Way more like, better yeah than just having like a super stacked team and you don't have to do much you know what i mean um but i've seen like super stacked teams like lose because uh lack of i'm not saying it's all the coach's fault but like the coach part did not establish a culture yeah they didn't have enough time like because what yeah phoenix lakers yeah uh those those teams they their goal is to just super super team and then just win but yeah. I don't know Brooklyn, how, what, 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 you know, they in the past it. 10 years, what team has pulled that off? Maybe, I guess, like the Lakers. But Oh, let's just say this. If you, think about, if you think about successful coaches with a historical successful, like, uh, tenure at a, pro, at a place, they usually, it's the, they play the long game, right? Like the Spurs, like they won those five, but in different decades, but with, with essentially the same people. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu, right? And then the same coach for multiple years, you know? And kind of the Warriors are kind of doing that too. Like, what, 24, 15 to... Well, if you think about when Kerr started coaching, was that 20... 15. 15, yeah. 2015 to now, they won four out of nine or eight, right? Out of nine years? Eight years? Nine years. Out of nine years? That's the long game with the same coach, same culture, same everything. And I think... I think the ones that win multiple championships are the ones that did it over the long game because they and they had the same team. So the coach was able to establish that culture and establish the habits and like, you know what I mean? What about um, talking about coaching strategy? What about their system? Because isn't all these teams, they have a system, right? Yeah, I think if you look at all the ones we're talking about and Stacey could always talk about the ones, you, you know, like, they all have a system or a style of play that they stick to no matter what, because that's their formula to win. You know. So mm-hmm. what, what do you? So say you you took over a high school program and your tallest player is like five nine. What would be like? Um, what would be your approach in terms of like a system for volleyball? I mean, so far, like 
what or what do you think a good coach would do i mean it does depend on your style of play i mean like what you your personnel is you know what i mean but i mean obviously for us at logan like we didn't have the height so i think if you don't have the height but you have athletic players and you know like you still need skilled players it's going to be speed like for me it's like speed playing fast playing playing fast and then ball control defense like that's basically yeah yeah like that's what i would do it would be different yeah if i had a team of six something girls i would yeah i could play different you know like you know i guess a good coach like obviously has to evaluate what you have they have they can't just force yeah i mean something that doesn't make sense yeah but there there are things that like i think some coaches it don't matter what kind of players they have but they still yeah. require the same things. Like, if you play for the Spurs, even if you're, whatever, Webinyama, what is he yeah. like seven, four? I'm pretty sure the dude's gonna have to know how to pass the ball still, you know, and play within the system. Like, you know, like some coaches. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen those things. You've probably seen them in basketball. They don't have a system. They're doing random. They're doing a bunch of random stuff. They don't have a system. They don't have like a strategy. It's just like whatever. Put the people on the court. Yeah, and and just I, go. I think when you get to the professional level, if you don't have that, which is what all of those rebuild teams, right? OKC, whatever, um, Detroit, they're all very talented. They're all like individually young players that are very talented, but like they'll only get them so far, right? Mm-hmm. With 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 your talent being, you know, they're all lottery picks. They're gonna win some games. I think some, you know, they they beat those young teams in the NBA. They beat. Um, like good teams like the Warriors, I think they lost to OKC, whatever. Like, they they'll um, they'll get away by winning. You can win some games, talent, pure talent. You're not gonna make the playoffs. Like you're not gonna. Also, make it. are you gonna win long term? You know, like this year with the Nuggets, it's their first championship. Well, let's see if the, if they win long term, like multiple, and they play at that high level multiple, then it's the culture, it's the style of play, it's the you know. It's the um, system, the system that's working, you know. Like, I think the Spurs, what they're trying to do now is they're just trying to find pieces that fit their system because they know their system has won five championships in the last 15 years, you know what I mean? So, also, with the the Nuggets, whatever, like, I think um, their core core players are are all, they were all developed, you know, Jokic. Um, all drafted from the Nuggets. Murray, so I, I guess, like. Old plus um, Gordon. I think what's really important on that team was their development. Um, Murray and Jokic, right? Especially since they were what? Well, I think Jokic was a 40th something pick. And so I think, I think like um, something you might have mentioned off the episode, um, like developing is pretty important. And I think, like you said, in like, yeah. like Europe. Yeah, yeah. Talk like about it. Uh, we were talking about this before we started this episode, but basically, uh, you know, Kobe, before he passed, he he used to talk really bad about AAU basketball, today's AAU basketball, because in today's AAU basketball, and Stacey, you know this because mm-hmm. you coach AAU, but majority of AAU basketball today is just playing games. It's just scrimmaging, matches, and lack of player development. And I think Kobe, who grew up, in Europe and his dad played in Europe he talks about in Europe what what they do is it's all skill development it's opposite like I think in Europe if you're grow you're growing up in the basketball system over there um, it's probably the same for volleyball actually but 
they focus on skill development so they they practice more of skill work and everything and they play less games and i think like for sure basketball they have five days of practice one day of games but in the in the u.s you practice once or if i know aren't there some that don't practice at all yeah, they just and they just play the games. <laughs> they just play. They, they just play tournaments. So Kobe was like super pissed about that because he was saying like it's ruining basketball, and that's why today's incoming NBA players it's like less and less of them know how to do like simple fundamentals, or whatever. And yeah, Kobe was big on like you have to know your fundamentals. You have to work on your craft and like the little things. And you know, is it a coincidence now that if you look at the top five? I mean, okay, let's say top 10 players in the NBA. Half of them are not from America, you know? Like Giannis, Luka, Jokic. Who else? Um, there's a bunch of more, you know? And like Embiid, mm-hmm. you know? A lot of them are international players now. And yeah, I think like there's the like Luka Doncic from Dallas. He's been quoted before by saying that in the NBA, it's easier to score. Because in Europe, they have different rules, but also in Europe, like, I think, like, he, you know, he could do everything, you know? And I think... He's skilled over there. Yeah. Kobe mentioned that, like, in Europe, they don't have positions, and, like, everyone has to learn how to do all skills, you know? And we've talked about that before in volleyball. Like, you know, we I've seen, you know, like, middles come to us, and they've they been playing for three years, and they don't know how to serve and pass, <laughs> you know? Uh a while back, when like when I was at East Bay, there was a a player who was a great girl, you know, super athletic, was a middle, came from a club, you know, and you know she was an incoming freshman, did couldn't serve, like had a a very hard time serving, couldn't pass, you know, but was good at blocking and like hitting and stuff, you know, but could not serve a ball. I'm telling you, like we were teaching her from scratch almost how to serve a ball, and I was like surprised because like she played club for like her whole you know all the high school at least and i was like what like you know that reminds me like on the basketball end just when i have girls that are like oh i'm playing at this tournament or that tournament Uh and i would i remember uh one of my girls was like oh i have two tournaments this weekend like i have a tournament in the morning with this team and then in the afternoon i have another tournament with my other team and i'm like why are you playing so many games and yeah. like why are you playing so many games and you're not getting better <laughs> like that was my complaint when they when they get back to the high school season and i don't know it's just frustrating because sometimes i think like oh well i'm getting the game experience or whatever but what are you doing during those games and some of it is just like oh they would play down mm-hmm. you know like why aren't you playing a challenging like age group or whatever or say for example like you're a varsity player but you want to play against um like middle school like, kids yeah. or you know like say like you're a freshman on varsity you should be playing against varsity people. varsity level no matter what better. the age group yeah. right and uh, it gets a uh, it gets pretty a frustrating connection actually to aeu and um playing like good competition because i think you guys do that now or we do that now at logan like trying to expose them to good volleyball I think, uh, yeah, like when I play AAU in middle school, I think, I don't know if Matt remembers, but like all my tournaments um, were in like Oakland and it's like probably the best basketball in like the Bay. And like, we were just like a small, I think we just like made up um, 
it was like made up of like a the local, local team yeah and we just were called uc mass <laughs> uc mass and um yeah for sure we were not um talented enough to be out there but i think looking back at it now it made sense in a way like um to be playing it doesn't make sense to go play and then like you're just stomping on people you do want to play good competition because you, you, you sort of see what it could be like because all of these kids are the same age as me and like they're so much more talented they're so much more like they're better teams but and i think it exposed me to like oh dang like you know if you put in the work and stuff like that you could technically be like these players um and i think um following back up on the development part i feel like um it's true for like aau i feel like i don't know i don't think i ever learned how to dribble to be honest <laughs> like i think my role in that team was to be like a sharpshooter uh-huh. <laughs> i don't think joe played long enough to really well yeah i didn't play long enough. i only played like what two years or something but i just was a shooter i was just a shooter and i was like yeah obviously now i'm like dang why didn't i learn how to dribble because like you know what I mean? And I yeah. guess, like, thinking about my practices, like, it was just, like, generic sort of drills, like, three-man weave, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't really remember, yeah, like, um, super fundamental training. Obviously, you probably, I probably need, like, you know, private lessons, stuff like that. But, like, the practices or the AU experience for sure was just sort of, like, playing. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Get games in. You know, it's not skill work, you know, the crazy part, like when we were running our UC elite team here with me and Taryn, we, we both had girls that were either transitioning between levels like middle school to high school or JV to varsity. And we both said like to our teams, like we need to use this as development and you got to start doing things that you're not comfortable with so that when it comes down to school season, like you're better and we didn't care about the wins or the losses and I think a big part of that was getting the players to understand why we're playing in the AU tournaments um, why we were working on certain things at practices and once they bought into that or at least we gained their trust then they really kind of like gave it their all Um, I think the other part too is like when parents understand what the coach's vision is then it's like okay like I'm okay that we lost then you know or you know because I don't know like sometimes people are like well we should win all the games and then like why don't we just play like down and I'm like how does that develop you know so I think a lot of that is also on the coaches to really challenge their players like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think set them up for the long run. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Especially it's if about they want winning now. It's about winning later. Yeah, know? and if they want to really like be able to contribute to their school teams or whatever the next season yeah. is, right? Yeah, you know another just another thing is so like like Taryn, you know, my wife. She she coaches at American High School for girls basketball. Right, Stacey, you know, and their head coach, you know, Keith. Coach Keith, uh, shout out to him if he listens to this. I don't know if he does, but <laughs> uh, he's cool. I, used, I actually used to coach his daughter mm-hmm. for club long, long, long time ago, and his family's cool, you know. Um, but Taryn would tell me even to today, like, because uh, he played at Stanford, right? Um, and uh, I think he ended up getting hurt, I think, and, you know, that's why he's coaching now and stuff like that. But so he used to play at Stanford, and I think Taryn told me, like, he even played against, like, like, uh, I think like Steph Curry's dad mm-hmm. and stuff, and he's around that that, that era. But um, one thing he always 
complains about to Taryn because Taryn tells me and Taryn sees it too because you know she was telling me but like their players they get now today don't have the fundamentals mm. like at all like and um you know like how to pivot correctly and how to you know do those little things and but they all play AU you know but all they do is scrimmage yeah they scrimmage they barely practice no skill work um but Keith he tried to do it you know I think they actually try to work on those things you know um and yeah like look he's from he played at Stanford you know like he was a, obviously probably a good player and stuff and but today same thing like the players are you know because the players they're getting that come to American from whatever school they're from they don't know all those like the fundamentals they thought you would know already you know what I mean yeah and that's their problem and they turn complains about it all the time and now they're like trying to teach it now but it's kind of late because it's like freshman yeah, year you're older and stuff yeah and now you know yeah so. you know that reminds me um harper he would he his practice plan was always like making sure we hit certain drills to be like game situation like yeah. so that they understand when it when they come to the games and stuff like that or mm-hmm. when they're in that um situation they know what to do and we would barely scrimmage um, at our practices and especially like early on in the season it was more about like the the whole teaching right and everyone would just always ask like this is this is like um chelsea and them like oh, yeah. your year um they would be like oh can we scrimmage like after like one of the water breaks i was like uh you gotta ask harper and then harper would always say no and i never understood why because i think that was um one of my first years coaching with him like learning learning why we're doing things and I, w- I would be like wouldn't it make more sense to just scrimmage and he would he would always say like when we don't give them like the structure to and then um the discipline like mm-hmm. how to how we want them to play like they'll just go wild and in the scrimmages whatever. and do whatever they're not going to stick to the game plan and I was like oh shoot like that's hella Sex. smart yeah so and that's why you guys won all those jv challenges yeah you know? and then i was like man like let me let me like learn more from yeah, yeah, yeah. from him you know and like really figure out okay what why was this like working for us you know um and like it's translated like over the i don't know i think i've been at logan coaching girls basketball like 17 18 seasons now and just looking back on that I'm like wow that that was really like a foundation to like what I developed as a coach but also seeing why was it so successful you know and I think all the other coaches we've talked about they've definitely had some sort of system um and plan like a system structure culture to become successful you Mm -hmm. know when the players go through the system they come out on the other side, you know, a yeah. successful, great player or something. And like I that, think you know? that just shows, like, even with on the volleyball end, when we, when we really built the program to be at that higher level, you know, and then, mm-hmm. w- you know, we made history at Logan. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not against scrimmaging. I'm against scrimmaging without any skill development and skill, you know, drills and and like that. You know what I mean, like. I think why can't you have both? You know what I mean. I think if you're gonna sacrifice developing skill work, all that kind of stuff at the expense just to scrimmage, then that's like the, the problem, you know. Um, Isn't it crazy though? Like if when you see those teams that oh yeah we just scrimmage at practice, but then game time, 
it's like, oh, you scrimmage, but like, why are you choking so yeah, much? Yeah, why can't you, you do know, this? Why, why can't you, you do the fundamental stuff? Yeah. Right? I, think, I think you get exposed when you play a, a team a either level. equal, equal level as you or better. You get you start getting exposed. Uh, yeah, I think if you don't do skill work, and let's say you're talented, right, but you don't do skill work, you can win some games, right? You could be successful, but up to a certain point, because once you start playing the real teams, the the higher level teams. Then you'll get super exposed out the water because that's what happens to these girls when they get to college. Because mm-hmm. wherever they 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 came from, they were the best player, one of the best players, and they cut the corners on some of these skill development stuff, or maybe they had a coach that didn't teach them this or that, right, mm-hmm. or didn't work on their skills. They get to college, and then they get immediately exposed that they can't do this, they can't, you know. Yeah, that's and very true for all, like especially like um, there's like D one programs, like five star, five star, five star. They get to all of a sudden everyone's the same level <laughs> isn't it crazy though to like not just the skills but the the iq part yeah. to, to any sport i remember i saw this interview about um was it arch manning mm. right Their nephew. um yeah mm. and i think he was on like a college visit i forgot which recruiting trip it was but they basically like showed him like this their playbook type thing and then like he went and watched like a practice but he understood everything because of his iq to the game right and then but you also hear about like all the work that he puts in as a as an athlete and um he probably has like the advantage that his uncles are you know like legends and stuff like that but then it's like you look at those habits too and it's just like okay like i need to be able to do more than just like be athletic or whatever and it's crazy that you talked about um being exposed to like if you're i know for basketball if if um how do i explain this like um i know for for when i coach any of my teams at logan the middle school we'll always have like certain offense for whatever defense is given to us Mm -hmm. and if my players don't aren't able to recognize that we're supposed to run this offense with like this defense like i'm like you're not you're not gonna play like that's the basic stuff to understanding things you know the the smart stuff and then if it's more of the skills stuff then it's like you know you gotta like do the extra and and get better that way yeah i know like one thing with our teams at logan our championship teams i mean when i reflect back at it um i mean we had three hour practices but the first two were always skill work. skill work and then team drills. And then we would scrimmage at the end, you know? Like, we definitely didn't, like, not scrimmage. We scrimmaged a lot, but it was just never at the expense of all the other stuff, you know? That was a progression. And, yeah, I think if you're chaotic, if your team is chaotic and cannot adapt and stress in, in the real game, it's probably because you did not prepare in practice, you know? I think what I pride myself in our teams back then at Logan was – when something came up in the game and then we had to take a timeout and we had to re-pivot or strategize, the strategy was already practiced, you know, because we did it in drills or we we did, like, modified six on, you know. Like, you know, you could do you could do drills with six on that's not scrimmaging, you know what I mean? You could just put six on and work on certain scenarios and what happens when the ball goes here, you know, when the ball's hit here. So you practice it so much that in the, in the game when it happens, you're, yeah, you're not thinking about yeah. it. Because you know I mean? back then, I remember, like, you know, whether it was parents or some spectators of our Logan team, I remember people would ask me, like, oh, how, 
because our team was actually pretty quiet like we didn't really talk that much like <laughs> weren't very loud right <laughs> i remember somebody asked me like oh how does your team know what's going to happen like what they're about to do next you know like whether it's a combo a play or whatever who's gonna get what ball and i was like practice man. i was like i don't know i mean i'm pretty sure it's, I, I, t- I said it's chemistry like we know who's gonna get the second ball when it goes here they didn't pl- you know we practice so much we train so much that we know each other's limitations and and skill level and and we know who's better at doing this so they should do that in that scenario you know so in the game we weren't stressing you know like actually we actually yeah back then we, we did not stress until the state finals because we never played a team like that who had seven, like six, seven Division One commits, and a five, eleven like setter who's going to UCLA. Like we didn't never play those that girl. So we were, that's when we were stressing. <laughs> but besides that, we you know, there was not a team who we were like, oh yeah, we can't adapt to what's happening right now. You know, and yeah, it's it's like I said, I think it goes back to your system, your culture, practice, right? Productive practice, having a practice plan. You know, we always modified practice based on what was coming up next. Mm-hmm. you know uh, what we need to, to work on like in club for my club teams you know um before uh, i remember we used to just work on stuff and practice based on like the last tournament mm-hmm. so like in the, if the, in the last tournament if we suck that passing for some reason that next couple of practices we're gonna do a lot of passing you know and then at the next tournament if we're struggling on blocking then practice will be modified to include more blocking because we struggled at that you know what i mean um and yeah, so I feel like practice is never. It, practice really shouldn't be like free for all. The same old, same old. You know, I mean, there are drills I think that you have to do because it's just to get the rep and get, build the good habit. But you know, if you do the same thing every day, you know, it's probably not productive. There should be a practice plan. Yeah, a coach uh, should have a practice plan. In college, they all in, in Team USA, like our Olympic team, everything's written on a whiteboard. Like if you go to the USA practice, they have a huge whiteboard. Every little, every drill and who's in it and doing what and what court is on the whiteboard already. <laughs> so when they huddle up again before the next drill, they just see it. They talk about it. The keys go, you know. But those are obviously the best volleyball players in our mm-hmm. country. But um, yeah, even they don't skip out on getting reps and like working on their skill development, you know. But I mean, you know, I think to to wrap to en- towards the end of this episode like let's all who's a like a coach that you either seen personally or played for or worked with that you think is like a good coach and why characteristics you know it's tough but you don't put me on the side well don't yeah i mean okay i'll go first okay (laughs) um i would say my club coach before you know coach dan who um he used to run you know end line before um but they they i think he left and then the club was alive for a little bit and then they closed down but i think he's living in socal right now but i think he was a good coach and i only played for him for one season um but what i remember why i think he's, he was a good coach is because he was like we were disciplined like he disciplined our team um and in practice yeah, we did. We definitely did skill work, dude. Like, we did a lot of drills. We did a lot of like drills that really pushed you to the limit, made you like almost die. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you felt like you were gonna die. Um, he was very, you know, I think he he did work on like technique, things like that. Um, 
and in games he would give feedback and tell you what you need to do you know so like i feel like i i like that and that's what i took along with me when i became a coach you know um he was also very like scary you know intimidating but educate you know it's very like educating people and the players um he also was like you know i I don't know if he listens to this but like a lot of us played for him like linda vivian did but he was also like a mind games like guy like mental yeah he'd like really get in your head a little bit or like at least we thought he did and he you know um like we were all scared of him but like he was cool and like you know, um, yeah, he definitely, I feel like did some mind games on us, on the players and stuff. But one crazy thing is actually, um, when we went to state states, I don't mm-hmm. know if I told anyone this story, but we went to state and we were in LA, right? I want to say before the game, cause I remember I was in the bathroom in our Airbnb. He texts me. Really? Yeah, for the first time in what since I was in high school, uh-huh. and saying that he was he he was like following us, and just congratulated us that we made it to the state championship. And I was like, oh shoot, you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was that felt good, you know. Obviously, from a coach that I admired and I had, and that he was even following us. I didn't even know he knew I was coaching, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was following our Logan team and followed the bracket and saw that we went to the championship, you know, like. But yeah, he's someone that. You know, I think was a good coach. You know, but what you guys? Hmm. Well, I only got mainly coach for Matt, so I'm not really <laughs> going to talk about Matt. But um, I will shout out Coach Marcellus. He's the one, first one who got me into organized sports. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was just a bunch, sort of, kind of how Matt started, just like um, a bunch of local kids at first, and just giving us the opportunity to play. And like I said, yeah, we got exposed out there. In Oakland and stuff, but I think overall that that's what got me into sports in the first place. So, shout out to Coach Marcelo. And I think more recently, just from what I from what I've seen in our own coaching staff, I think um, I didn't really know Conan to be honest till this year and or this past season. And I realized like he's um, not only is he like a really chill person, really cool person, but I really like his coaching style. And you know, if you're in like the national camps, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I think um, his passion for volleyball, it really shows in his coaching. And just from observing um, observing him coach, I really know, I, I, I feel like he's a good coach because of his knowledge. And then I think his willingness to share his knowledge, I think that's what makes him a great coach. And I'll give an example, I think, for, um, it was like for the 18s, like last tournament, because I assisted the 18s. He helped for like 30 minutes for like blocking and then <laughs> all of a sudden our last tournament everyone's getting way more blocks and they're talking about we we're talking about how like those drills we were doing were like so helpful and so yeah, those are my two <laughs> <laughs> shoot if i if i have to think about like when i was playing basketball and all that i would probably say coach guastavino he's a teacher at um, or he was a teacher at um, AMS IBC, mm-hmm. but he's an admin now, so he's like one of the assistant principals. But he coached me from, I think it was like my sixth grade year, to my eighth grade year. I think I couldn't remember, but I remember my eighth grade year. Like he put like a whole bunch of responsibility on me, just being one of the returners and 
I was playing on the basketball team since I was in fifth grade. So I was playing with like, because we were like the last fifth graders there. So I was playing with like sixth and seventh graders on like the JV team. And then the eighth grade team was always like varsity. But I remember one time like he got on me so bad. Like, and it was because I think I was late to practice over, like I had a legit reason, but then he was just so disappointed. And I was just like, damn, I don't want to make like my coach feel like I'm a disappointment. (laughs) And um, it kind of like made me reevaluate how much I was going to invest into committing to the sport and what it what it meant. So he really like, you know, lit a fire in me to like really go after it. And if it weren't for him, like I, I felt like it wouldn't I wouldn't be the player that I was like uh, going into high school and getting ready like uh, for high school season. So that made a huge impact. And uh, when I started coaching at at um, AMS IVC, like he he was like really surprised that I got into coaching, but not really surprised in a sense where like um, he didn't think it was going to happen like that soon. And for him to for me to like hear that, like it was reassuring that like, okay, like I guess like. I can do this right um but to be coaching with I think I'm always gonna say Harper I think just because like what I've learned and how much he's mentored me and it's crazy because it was more than just the X's and O's you know or like the funny thing is I actually never played for him I've only really just Mm -hmm. coached with him with him um because when I tore my ACL like uh, I think that was the same year his his triplets were born and he took like a year off from coaching and then came back. So um, I never officially played for him, but then I felt like I was always a part of like his uh, his teams, even when I, when I was injured. Um, but yeah, even like coaching with him and all that I've learned, like I think it was also because he was a teacher that that was an aspect that added to his coaching style. Like he really cared about um, the players like and their well-being but also he was so highly respected that every it was like you would do anything to play hard for for Harper in a sense Mm -hmm. and like it's one of those things where like I took so much pride in being his assistant coach for so long um up until he passed away and like still trying to instill what he's taught me to be a coach and apply that in in both like volleyball and basketball so definitely him and and honestly like when I think about like even our coaching staff like here at UC Elite and at Logan I think just how much we how well we all work together or at least have the same vision for our players and you could tell which coaches are are really in it for the players you know Mm -hmm. and and their development I think that's that's key yeah yeah, I think, um, you know, to wrap this episode up, like, you know, we're about to have tryouts, you know, for club, you know, and then high school tryouts in August. I would say, like, for the athletes out there, you can't really pick your high school coach, you know, so it can't be picky there, obviously. But I think for a club, you can be picky. And I think, um, you know, whatever club wherever club you are you should know your coach or who's going to coach you right at least have some good idea and see if they have it these some of these characteristics you know what i mean and 
because uh, that's a good tale that they're going to help you become a better player, you know. And I think, you know, because a lot of players today, which I, I understand, like, they get caught up with the winning. They just want to win or get a bid or whatever. But that's not always going to be what's best for your you as a player and your development. Because, um, you know. It's like it, the same thing, like, D1 players that go down to D2 to put themselves in, like, a better situation for their yeah. future, their career. Yeah, I think so, there, there are players who, you know, those, like, even professional, like, they're playing for this coach in this organization, right, say NBA, and then when they go to another team in a different coach or maybe a better coach, they end up becoming an all-star or, like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So sometimes it's just about situations and – but club, you get to pick for the most part, like – I think if I was a player today, if I'm trying out at multiple clubs or whatever, whatever offers I do get, I would look at who's the coach, you know, and the organization behind them and then see what's best, you know, for what my priority is, you know, and because sometimes you could be winning, your team could be winning, but you're not getting better as a player, you know, and that's, you should be thinking about that because in the long run, what do you have? yourself you know what i mean like that's always going to be with you your skills your what you have and you want to develop that you know like no one really like looks like hey oh my god do you remember when we were 13 and we got a u.s like a a bid yeah (laughs) yeah i think yeah i think if you ask our players like say alex and them i don't think they're gonna remember they don't remember our wins it's definitely part of my coaching you know to them yeah definitely accomplishment but i mean it's great that they still they won and they still developed and now they play college stuff like that that thing that's something that yeah, that's way more accomplishing playing in college yeah i would definitely look at that because club's a big commitment and you can be, be with that coach for six months and like you don't want to waste those yeah, months too yeah right? that's why when i see players that good players that go to unfortunately they play they go to a school with a bad water program or like a not a good co- not very good coach at their high school man like sometimes i get worse you know or they don't like get better at all back, sure, for sure. Yeah, during their high school season seasons. that three months they're there they either get worse or they don't get better at all. And then it's a shame because, like, if you look at the best players that are always getting better, they usually have a good club team and they have a good high school team or, like, good coaches in both. So then whenever they're playing on a team, they have a good coach. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a coach developing them, pushing them, you know. That's like in basketball, too. Like, you know, I would get – I would, like, mess around and get mad and make probably some out-of-pocket comments, but then – honestly like it's like oh like you need to really check yourself like you spent like this many months away Mm -hmm. like i would get mad if say like one of my girls couldn't dribble left-handed you know i was like what did you do this whole season like that you couldn't dribble with your left or you know or have a better shot and oh really like it just it gets frustrating you know no yeah i think well we've seen it same thing on the volleyball side um like I, ha- I had these two players back then where when they were younger, they were like the same level, you know, of like talent right now. Like they, they played the same level. One girl went to this high school and one girl went to this high school. Three months later, they one was way better than the other. Like I'm telling you, like total, like opposite, like a Night big gap. Yeah. yeah. And it just showed like what happened, you know, and sometimes it is opportunity, but, you know, one I'm a, I'm gonna say one had like a better coach, you know, than the yeah. other one, and a better situation and a better team program, better program. So, 
but you can't really choose that sometimes in high school so i understand that but for a club you should be looking at that and i'm not saying look look for a perfect coach because that doesn't exist but at least look for a coach that cares about your development and you getting better and you know um will hold true to that someone that will do that you know what i mean i'm not saying your success on the court and you becoming a good player is solely on the coach but you need someone that will guide you that way that will open the, give you the opportunity yeah to get mm-hmm. give you an opportunity to get better like joe said like you know if the coach is skipping this skipping that not teaching you this are they really giving the opportunity to get better yeah like they even give you chance you know or if I mean? they say oh if you come play for me i have this blah, blah, this blah. and this connections yeah. you know we or was telling I'll us about make you this you know yeah. i'll make you that like i think one of our coaches was telling us about their club experience how they moved and like they didn't get recruited like mm. they said they were going to and you know they put all that trust in that coach and yeah they under delivered you know yeah i had a same thing i had a player coached her freshman year right and <clears throat> didn't get to coach her again till later <clears throat> and like within two years later three years later you know i did not see too much improvement from when i coached as a freshman and you know unfortunately she went to a club um you know and i this is i heard from them like from her like all they did in practice was like hitting lines and scrimmage you Mm -hmm. know and that's why this girl had trouble passing you know as a senior this is why this girl had trouble with ball control and hitting spots and all these little things you know because she never worked on it you know um yeah and i think people underestimate that that like you're spending this much time with this coach that you want to look for a coach that's going to be productive you know and i feel like they realize that when they're a senior when it's too late yeah they realize dang Mm -hmm. you know especially if they have like aspirations to play play post post high school like when they get older they're like oh shoot i I, i've been playing ball for four years i don't know how to down ball (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know yeah we've seen it man i'm shocked all the time we talk about it all the time as the coaches here like you know this girl's been playing club for this long and or play playing high school varsity or something and cannot you know bump set or cannot serve the ball can't even do a jump float or can't even you know and it's like holy moly like what happened you know what i mean uh i'm not saying every player has to be perfect at everything but all i know at least be able to see like that they at least learned it you don't have to be perfect like i'm not saying oh everyone needs to be a good setter we should uh, when i see you say you should at least look like someone taught you you know what i mean you know like you know like in the nba bro like like looney looney and the warriors he can shoot he knows how to shoot but he doesn't shoot in part in the game because he doesn't have to <laughs> it's not his job it's not his role but he knows how to yeah. shoot yeah. you know Actually, that's, like, that's all of them like draymond probably yeah they all too. know how to dribble they all know how to do but they, it's not their job yeah, to, to do it it's knowing your role but they still know how to do it that's the they main still work point. on it in their warm-ups when you, the yeah, warm-ups. I know. Can't even tell who's the shooter. Have you seen those guys say, like, in the warm-ups, they're shooting, but they never shoot a ball in the game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're still working on it. You know, they still know how to do it. Yeah. Right? Like, it just shows, yeah, all I know is that this coming season, you know, I want I want players to really look at their coach their, their coach, and what's best for your, your skill development and your development as a player, you know, um, because I think that's what it's really about. And I think at UCLA, we try to mainly focus on that. like Player development. Yeah, we try to do our best to 
develop the players and make them better and to be honest like don't just look at it through your own lens if you got better like i say like look at it from the outside like are other people telling you got better like do other people see your progress because like that's how you know because i've seen girls like they think they didn't get better but when i watch them and we've we compared you know footage from back then footage to now they're better you know like i'm impressed i'm, I'm impressed at our uh our camps this summer some of, you know a lot of our girls from our regional premier teams way better you know mm-hmm. like i'm impressed with you know like um and yeah that's just you know a great job to our coaches here and those girls for working hard too you know uh, i'm not saying our club is perfect or our coaches are perfect i'm just saying like i've been seeing a lot of our players getting better and just look at yourself from the beginning to the end of the season like mm-hmm. do you look like the same player and if you do then you know you probably didn't get better i'm not saying it's a co- it's just the coach's fault it could be you too like maybe you're not coachable we talked about that in another episode but yeah. like if you are a coachable player and you work hard and you didn't get better then look at you know maybe that what you've been doing in practice I mean, for sure if you saw your teammate get way better then you know that like yeah it's it probably not the yourself. coach yeah it could be you <laughs> yeah if, you, if everyone around me got better and yeah, not me then maybe yeah. it's me but if uh, if you look around and my whole team looks like the same team it's a little faster a little more in shape than like maybe you know what i mean like think of six months like that's a long time man like you should be a way better in six months like i mean i think everybody gets a little better you get better just by getting older because you got stronger and you got better control of your body you grew into your body you could be better but i'm thinking you know actual technique and skill work and stuff like that but yeah, yeah. i wow, mean we covered a lot about just coaching in yeah. general like this could be a whole nother episode talking about there's so many great coaches actually you know? yeah maybe do a part two later but but yeah i think we can wrap up uh yeah well that's about it I think, uh, you know, we'll probably talk, like you said, about this topic again or probably expand more. But, you know, overall, I think with the club tryouts coming up, just for those out there, like really think about who you're going to play for mm-hmm. and the what is it about them that makes them a good coach to play for? Um, do, and do they have these characteristics like the coaches we talked about yeah, uh, right. earlier in the yeah. episode? So, yeah. I think if you don't know the coach – find a way to get to know them and that's how we actually do some of these podcast episodes on our coaches so you can get to know them and their own history um going to our camps and our programs is a great way to meet some of our coaches uh we purposely try to change up who's coaching some of these camps sometimes so they could see you know the players and the players could see them um but yeah i think even if you're looking at other clubs like see who you whose team you might make or your age group and actually see like you know how do they coach like what's their philosophies you know what's their how do they run a practice like you can ask those questions like it's not a secret you know yeah but no one ever asks them no one yeah. ever asks those <laughs> questions though it's always like what position am i gonna play and am i gonna you know am am I gonna gonna get who, who's time? on the team yeah but they don't even ask like hold up how do you run your practice right yeah what do we do like how do you you know nothing what's your strategy as a coach like they don't ask none of that but that's important and girls find out it's important when it's too late when it's in the season <laughs> in the middle of the season and then they get frustrated you know but, yeah but yeah all yeah. right yeah that's well, good well for more on our episodes be sure to follow our podcast on 
Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Check our Instagram for updates, and we'll be back for another episode. Thank you. Thanks. See ya.